0: Welcome to the Bleep Midlife Bulimia podcast with guest Dr. Christian Haim, consultant, psychiatrist, and psychotherapist. Hi everyone, I'm Ann. I am the host of Bleep Midlife Bulimia, and today I'm very pleased to have Dr. Haim on my show, and he is a consultant psychiatrist and a psychotherapist. Uh, Thank you so much for being here with us. Just please tell us a little bit about what you do and where you're from.
1: Uh, laurie it's a real treasure for me to be here tonight because uh, I'm beaming in from Australia, from a small place called the Sunshine Coast, which is on the East Coast, just north of uh, Brisbane. And uh, yes, as it sounds, the sun does tend to shine here a lot. Uh, so as he introduced, uh, I'm a consultant psychiatrist. And uh, most of my work is uh, talking therapies. So psychotherapy, specifically in severe personal trauma. Uh, but before that, uh, I, I was head of an eating disorders unit, uh, just an acting head for a short amount of time, but uh, I treasure that time. And before I became a doctor, uh, I was a lecturer in music and uh, a composer, a piano player, and, uh, yeah, so I, so I have a few strings there to my piano. <laughs> That's
0: beautiful. I really do believe that music does help with the mindset. Personally, I've just really enjoyed it. I played flute for quite a few years, as we discussed. So just tell us a little bit about your experience in that, uh, with the eating disorders and being head of the unit.
1: Okay, so uh, this was an inpatient uh, unit at a uh, at a large metropolitan hospital, and it was for acute cases, people who needed to be in hospital, uh, mainly because at that point in their lives, uh, their lives depended on that. And uh, as you know, eating disorders is uh, one of those areas in psychiatry that uh, we could be doing a little better, uh, we could understand a bit more, uh, uh, but at the pointy end, so in other words, when somebody is in hospital and their life is at risk, then it's actually uh, the, just the right thing to do to take a medical approach, because you're looking to keep people alive, you're looking to make sure that their potassium levels, their hydration levels, and all those things are actually intact. However, behind all of that and uh, behind even their diagnosis, which we we call an eating disorder, lies, of course, a person and a personal life journey. And uh, one of the things that that I learned is that everybody's life journey is so very different. So when it comes to psychiatry, we actually don't treat people uh, that have the same diagnosis all the same uh, because you engage with them as people and you get to know their individual journeys. And so each uh, treatment is tailored to each person.
0: So I know that you were saying they were primarily anorexics, which we're well aware of. Uh, in your time there, were there, and just because the show is about bulimia, but I was curious, did you come across bulimics as well? Did Was there a difference in, in attitude? I know that that's gonna be hard because everybody is so different, but did you feel?
1: Yes, but there was a, there was a difference. There is a a huge difference between somebody who primarily has a diagnosis of anorexia and uh, somebody who has a diagnosis of bulimia. In fact, it's rare that somebody with a diagnosis purely of bulimia will end up in a hospital because of a life-threatening situation. That's that's what happens with anorexia. Anorexia, as you know, is one of our... uh, most devastating illnesses. In fact, it carries the highest mortality rate of anything in psychiatry, 25%, which is very worrying. And bulimia, thank goodness, doesn't carry that mortality rate. And people uh, suffering from uh, bulimia are, generally speaking, more integrated as people. Now, what I mean by that is They can be functioning in uh, in, uh, society, they can be teachers, they can be students, they can be psychiatrists, Uh, they can be actors, they can be gymnasts, and there's a whole lot of other risk factors for bulimia. But you don't see by looking at a person that they have bulimia. And um, that's an advantage for the person because they don't have to walk around with their diagnosis, right? the disadvantage is that it often remains a secret for many, many years because, uh, well, because of the shame associated with it, Uh, but because it does something different uh, for every person, uh, every person who is suffering from bulimia will have a different attitude to how secretive they are about their bulimia.
0: Absolutely. I have uh, an interesting, uh, some of my clients that we talk about, hard to let go of bulimia because it is something that they go to for comfort. And they even say that the high of the binge and even the low, even they say even the tiredness and the low side of it is almost something that they look forward to too. It's almost a forced
1: rest, I guess it would be type of thing. Yes. Yes.
0: How would you perceive that?
1: Uh, well, actually, uh, Laurie, just the words that you were using uh, right there, uh, give a clue to how important bulimia actually is in somebody's life. Okay. So you talked about it being a comfort. Okay. And then you talked about how it was a rest. Okay. And there was even the sense that Going through that cycle, the uh, the binge cycle and then uh, a purge cycle and then a fatigue after it, there's almost a sense of it being cathartic. Uh, so in in that, bulimia serves a purpose, and uh, it's it's not as though somebody just walks down the street and one day, bam, they're struck down by bulimia, right? Uh, it's it's not a random illness. It serves a purpose, and so one of the keys i believe to overcoming it is to is to become really honest and sort of say okay i have this what good is it doing me because it's actually doing a lot of good all right otherwise you wouldn't have it okay uh and it's not as though you can be honest with everybody that you meet as to what it's actually doing but at the very least i'd encourage people to be honest with themselves and that's not always easy And if you have a therapist, a psychologist or a psychiatrist that you work with to ensure that that is a confiding, trusting relationship, so you can be as honest as you can be with that person, because it's an amazing experience when you journey with somebody. um, and, And I mean, as a person suffering from bulimia, you actually journey with your psychiatrist or psychologist to make discoveries And that becomes a vital experience. And when the experience of those discoveries and the hope of a future without bulimia becomes more pleasurable and more useful than the bulimia, that's when you start to say, maybe I could let go of this. Maybe I don't need this in my life.
0: I just love that. That's wonderful. As you know, I was bulimic. I was for 30 years and uh, I've recovered for 10 it's so yeah. enlightening to be without it. It's so wonderful. And, you know, for those who are struggling and are hoping to get out of it, you know, I do hope I love what you're saying, too, is find that purpose. Because I even went to a psychiatrist said exactly that. He says, at this point in your life, it's probably saving your life because you might yes. have gone to something else. And I looked at him and I went, but I want to recover. I don't want you telling me that. <laughs> right? But he was getting to that point that don't shame yourself this is and that's a big thing getting over the shame uh yes. and and as you were saying just quickly with my side of it i coach but i'm also a master certified handwriting analyst graphic therapist what's fun about that is in handwriting it's subconscious so i can see things yes. that even my clients won't see that could yes. possibly move towards what might be causing this and what is your purpose that would be best served versus food so
1: yes yes Now, I just want to pick up on one point that you made there. You talked about the enlightenment of having recovered from bulimia, and you've been living that enlightenment for 10 years, okay? Now, that that is wonderful because this becomes the carrot, all right? What, you mean my life will be better without this? Yes. You mean my life will be safer without this? Yes. You mean I'll feel better about myself without this? yes okay so it's sort of like good onwards with the lessons onward with the journey let me climb that mountain so I can get to that view so so that that picture that you painted of enlightenment that that becomes a wonderful metaphor for what your listeners are looking for
0: absolutely I want to speak a little bit to and get your opinion on this about uh, there's again a couple of my clients who gone on the journey of recovery for quite a few years then they relapse and then because of the relapse they feel they will never be able to be non-bulimic see i believe that you can completely say it's like i've been single for for 17 years so i don't call myself divorced anymore i earned my right to call myself single again (laughs) and like my 10 years of being bulimic free i I have the right to say I'm not bulimic and I'm never going to be again. And some people say never say never, but no, literally because of that enlightened feeling, no. So I used to be, but I'm no longer. So in that sense, so to that relapse, can you have any words to speak to that?
1: Right, Uh, okay. So uh, earlier on, I talked about the importance of being truthful with yourself, okay? Now, when we talk about ourselves, um, uh, we, we move from the objective to the subjective. So that means that each of our experiences are going to be different. Okay. And, uh, and, and the things that you, you said about yourself. So I no longer see myself as divorced. I see myself as single. I see, I don't see that I'm going to relapse again. I'm now non-bulimic. All right. They're all self-constructs. They're all ways that you see yourself and they are very real. Okay. Now, the thing is that it's difficult to then say, well, everybody should feel this way. Okay. Uh, Because as you know, that doesn't work. All right. But to say, this is something that you can reach for. Okay. This may be part of your journey and just open up. uh, I often talk about opening up um, places in our mind for certain possibilities. And you see, uh, there, there are some people who, may not have a space in their mind that says I could actually be free of this without relapsing again. Okay. So we just open up that space, just open up that possibility without the guarantee of saying we're going to get there because uh, if we're inauthentic, we go, Oh, I must do this. I must not relapse. Okay. Whereas for some people relapsing becomes part of their journey, just like sometimes tripping and just, coming down the mountain a little bit is part of somebody's journey. It happens. The idea is, okay, I'm going to pick myself up again. I'm still going to walk towards that summit. So um, the idea is to keep walking and to have a sense that this is an authentic journey that I am really going on and that there is something inside each of us that knows the way forward. I just love that.
0: And I do agree with that as well. And, uh, somebody once said that uh, it's not that you're not heading for recovery. Exactly what you said, you trip. But uh, the other thing too is is that you need that in that particular moment. So there's no shame to it. Just, but yeah. don't feel that it's it's an end because I think that's what some people who relapse they they feel that okay this is it. I, I it's recovery is not achievable, and they they lose that. Yeah, you know that enthusiasm of yes i can get through it so but you're right open up that window allow yourself those moments of of relapse and it's yeah. not it doesn't it's not as as frightening anymore and the, the restrictions and all of that
1: that come with it uh, you know well, it's it's all good okay and and it, it even gets to the stage where if somebody relapses and they feel shameful about that well in that moment they feel shameful about that okay But we open up a space in the mind to sort of say, okay, there will come a time when you don't feel shameful, okay? And the shame will be part of your past, and we will keep seeing what your future has to offer. Uh, Because it's it's always that carrot. There is something better in the future. Uh, with, with With that enlightenment that you were talking about, that there can be more pleasure to be without the bulimia than there is to be with the bulimia. And let's face it, there, there's there's comfort and pleasure in bulimia, okay? And while it's still serving you, and that's, that's normally to take energy away from something else that may be going on in your life, okay? So it now becomes a bit of a smokescreen, all right? Maybe we shouldn't be talking about bulimia. Maybe we should be talking about a relationship with a mother, a relationship with a child, a relationship with how you see yourself, um, a relationship with your body, okay? Um, All these things may be part of the real journey that that we've got to look at, you know?
0: I fully agree with that as well. Uh, There are times people will go for recovery for bulimia. I've been there. And that is what is spoken to rather than, you know, I don't want to talk about it right now sort of thing. You go in there and go, I just want to talk about other things that are disturbing me. And, and, and you know, and that's exactly what you're saying because I'm, I'm going to bulimia because I am what you were saying, screening something. I'm going yes. for comfort where there's discomfort. Yes. And a beautiful thing I, I have to speak to, Elizabeth Hall said, is you have to learn to be comfortable in your discomfort. Yes. In order to yes. move forward, which I think is beautiful. Uh, yeah. Now, there's the other thing I was looking at, and this is of interest to me, but where You know, what do you feel about hobbies and interests where I find there are um, a few people, I won't say everything because I can't generalize on everything, but uh when you don't have a hobby, an interest or something that causes that really good feeling, I think it would be it's more difficult. Can you speak to that? Yes, my opinion.
1: Yeah, no, 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 no. I, I understand what you're saying because uh Uh, just translating a bit of what you're saying, to me, you're speaking of identification, all right? Where do I find myself in my life, okay? So uh, I I play the piano, you play the flute. So part of your identity is caught up with the flute. Every time you see a flute, your your eyes will light up because because you have this history with this two-foot piece of metal okay and it's a beautiful history and so your your whole self will light up and that's what happens with me and a piano all right and so um hobbies almost seems like a bit of a demeaning term for what these things actually mean to us because i know people who are avid readers and they don't just read books They go on amazing journeys, okay? They experience amazing romances or they learn about amazing histories, okay? Uh, It's a a full experience. So any hobby that we have, uh, uh, let's take something like playing cards, all right? There is something about holding cards playing them and calculating what you need to calculate that somebody really identifies with and it speaks about who they actually are. And so uh, part of the, the trick, in a sense, is to identify not as somebody who's suffering from bulimia, but as somebody who has a flute in their life or books in their life or card playing in their life or has relationships with these people. And the more that your mind sees that your identity is caught up with these pursuits and it does actually reflect you, then bulimia doesn't have to reflect who you are as much. Then it becomes like a ripple in the pond that with time that ripple will just get softer and softer and softer. And that one can fade away from your life.
0: I love that. That is so true. I mean, for me to Along with my flute was my writing. That was something. And, and the feeling of completion was just wonderful. And then you can move on to the next one because that's something that you love to do. There's never a stop to it. You can continue
1: doing it forever. So this is what's so beautiful about it. So. Yeah, that's right. And it's, it's amazing in all of science, we cannot explain why some people love certain things and not others. Okay. So you've been attracted to the flute and to writing. And when people go, oh, why is that? Well, in a way, there's no answer. It's because I love it. Or it might be because my grandmother played the flute, or it may be for some other reason. But ultimately, we love what we love, and we are who we are. And part of life is discovering that. And so that's, that's a journey for people out of bulimia because the pleasure, the absolute pleasure in finding out something that's true in yourself becomes greater than a, a, a binge-eating pleasure, okay? And, and, and we're talking about a lot of pleasure there, all right, okay? The true. pleasure that we get from good, it's a lot of pleasure, all right? So uh, we're actually needing to talk about a lot more pleasure to say, you know what, I don't need that. I can actually move towards something else.
0: And I know that takes a lot of time to do because there is something that's set in your mind when you have bulimia, and I know this too, is that number one, it's easy. So, you know, if you just want to be, just do nothing, and that's the issue, is to try to change that mindset. But, you know, this will make me feel better, however the thing is, and there's that but word I'm not supposed to use, the, uh, (laughs) it's, it's hard to change that because it sits there in your mind and it plays on your mind until you go to that food.
1: Yes. Which yes. is really annoying.
0: Yes. You keep saying, I'm, I'm, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about it. But, and the more you say, you don't want to think about it, the more it yeah. goes at yeah. you. So,
1: so I'm going to be um, going to go into the brain to explain this process. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, one of the most influential chemicals uh, in our brain is dopamine and dopamine gener- uh, generates that feeling of pleasure, okay? Now we don't know how a chemical translates into the feeling of pleasure, but we just know that those two are correlated. And uh, so when, when you're binging on food, you are releasing a lot of pleasure in your brain, okay? And your brain loves dopamine. So we have to find um, something else that has more pleasure than that. Now that's going to be very difficult. All right. But there are a few things that have not only more pleasure, but stimulate a whole lot of other brain chemicals. And I'm talking specifically about oxytocin, right? Which is the wonderful brain chemical that mediates our feelings of love and trust. Okay. When you actually get down to trust somebody, that is one of the most wonderful feelings on earth. When, when, uh, you and a therapist work on something and you reach, uh aha, we've got something here. Okay. That was a significant session. That is one of those, those beautiful experiences in life. And likewise, when you have a beautiful love experience, okay, that all of life feels blissful. And that is all thanks to oxytocin. Now I'm going to go to beta endorphin, uh, which actually gets released in huge amounts when we laugh, but not just, in front of a screen, in front of your favorite cartoon or meme, but when you are with somebody or when you're with a group of people and somebody just cracks a really good joke, sometimes if you don't get the joke, you will just find yourself laughing because at that moment you feel like you are part of the human race, okay? And that is a wonderful feeling. And the other one is serotonin, which, yes, I know we have medications that can increase serotonin levels. But where you feel comfortable and at home and you don't have to put on any pretense where people just accept you where you are, when you can close the door, take off your jacket, take off your shoes and just lie on the couch, that feels good, okay? So to overcome the pleasure, the dopamine pleasure of a bulimia binge, okay, we want experiences that have oxytocin because you see, you can't trust a whole packet of cookies. They don't trust you back, all right? Or you can't laugh with a packet of cookies. You'll be laughing by yourself, okay? Or you don't have to be pretentious with a packet of cookies. They don't care if you feel comfortable at home or not. So once we're able to have those brain chemicals fed, specifically by other people through good relationships, then that becomes the time when your brain goes, you know what, rather than having a bulimic binge, I'm going to give a call to my sister because she really understands what I'm going through right now. And I want that feeling of understanding again. That's, so that becomes part of the journey as well.
0: That's really interesting that you say that because my story is that, where my journey of recovery came was when my sister heard me having a because right. I was living with her for a little while this is a long yep. story about there was after I lost everything she brought me in and yep. uh, she said to her, she goes I heard you and I worry because I love you and she goes just know I'm here yep. and I remember at one of those points that you were just saying is that when I was in you know I, I called her up and I said I feel like binging and purging she goes that's okay if yep. you need to, that's okay. And, then, and, and I always say this, that was like reverse <laughs> psychology. I go, no, it's not okay. Oh, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> no, <it's> like, <laughs> I was like, how can you tell me it's okay? But it was the most wonderful <laughs> thing she could say. And yeah. that's where the other thing I would say with my clients, you know, even if you want to call me and tell me about your binge, tell me about what went on, where you feel anything, Weren't you feel anything. Sometimes you don't even know why
1: you're binging. So just to talk. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so, so in that moment, your sister was being a really good friend to you, okay? Yeah. And, and look, we live in an age where we're all connected to screens, okay, which means we've got less time to make eye contact with each other as people. So if, if you have a good friend, if you have somebody who's being a good friend to you, treasure that and take the time to make sure that you can talk to that person when you feel like having a binge, you know? Yeah,
0: and it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to stop it but no at least you know the person's there to speak to about it and they're willing to listen that's a difficult yeah. thing for a lot of people close to people with eating disorders is to have to listen to it because it's hard because you love the person and you don't want to hear that's hey hard. i'm hurting myself again or because in a sense we don't like to think of it but it is hurtful to your body and yes it is, it
1: is. So,
0: yeah so uh yeah very interesting um Speaking of cards, though, this is very strange because when you start to bring it up, very, very odd. I had a dream last night that I said to somebody, I'm really bored and I'm really missing playing cards. And then, so you brought that up. I'm going, What? I haven't played cards in years. I don't know why I had that dream. But here we go. It's brought
1: up in this conversation. (laughs) Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because I'm wondering, why did I bring that up? Okay. And so, and so I went back to a childhood memory when our neighbors used to invite all the kids over for Saturday nights to play gin rummy until 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And it was just beautiful. It was just fun. And at that time, you just felt that you were part of the human race. Yeah, you were part of the human family. And, and that's that feeling of feeling comfortable with each other.
0: It's true. Yeah. And your mind goes, yeah. it doesn't even focus on anything but that. The other game I love is Scrabble. I really love Scrabble. Oh, yeah. I love words.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. I play that with my best friend a lot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, this is absolutely wonderful. I just, I really appreciate everything that you have to say to us and I'm sure that there's so many. So, cause I mean, you, you've covered, um, you know, issues that you've dealt with this anxiety, depression, Ooh. addictions, personality issues, trauma, um, relationship breakdowns, all of which are associated to some degree with bulimia uh, and even yeah. the suicide side of it. I know that there have been, but like one of my um, psychiatrists said, you know, you might you might have been suicidal had you not had your bulimia. And he's not saying that I would have, but he said it might have saved me from yeah, that. Yeah. 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 So, yes,
1: that's right. So these are yes. all... Yeah
0: main components that, how you, that you work with, which is fantastic. Do you still do music? I want to find out. Are you still playing the piano? and? I,
1: yes, yes, I do. I do. I, I occasionally give give concerts, and uh, we, we have a, a pod show where I play something every week related to a um, topic that we're talking about. So so let's say we recently did um, How to Be a Good Friend, and so I, I played Carol King's You've Got a Friend, you know. Uh, and just just th- things like that, just just to tie things together. And um, music, as you know, is a language that can speak directly to our limbic system without the words. And it's a very complex language, and it does speak. But we can't even find the words to tell us what the music is saying. We just know that it's telling us something vitally important. So yeah, it's it's been uh, a good friend to me, and and I think it's been. Uh, not just a de stressor but music has really kept me sane. It has kept my my mind a lot clearer and and focused. And the nice thing is that it shares joy with other people. Uh, so I would encourage anybody who's looking to move past bulimia to find something that they love like that that takes up time and can bring more pleasure than a binge can. Absolutely,
0: and I will just speak quickly to music. I was very careful about the music I listen to because I know that the hard rock used to get my mind in a bad place <laughs> I mean I know there's people who are going to sit there, what how could you not like that uh I always and I I like cheerful upbeat music it can change yeah. me like that and if you can you play me a sad love song and I'll cry on a dime like it so I I make sure that depending on you know my state of mind right, is what I have to make sure that I stick to the music. Are you playing piano now? I am! <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's lovely.
1: You said about sad love songs. This yes. is a song by Minnie Rippleton, okay, called Loving You. <laughs> and it's it's a beautiful song, but it's very sad as well, you know. Ah,
0: uh, This is Again, I wonder. Can you please tell my listeners where they can find you? Where they can you? I believe you said you have a podcast as well.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. Thank you for that, Loraine. Uh, we we have a uh, a podcast. We have a YouTube channel. Uh, so dr Christian Heim. If you type that into YouTube, you'll 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 get our YouTube channel. Um, my partner puts up uh, Instagram quotes uh, almost every day. Uh, We're also on LinkedIn uh, and at the moment we're doing a podcast that's uh, called uh, Late Night Love because we've just released a book that I've written called The Seven Love Types, uh, How to Navigate Love in a Fractured World because uh, love is losing its meaning in today's world so uh it's actually an overview of the science and the ancient greek wisdom of what love actually is as well as how to share it with your family friends love partner and others so they're the platforms that we're on at the moment
0: perfect and i will just quickly ask you so for when your book is available on amazon
1: yes it is yes okay. it is it's an ebook, book and it's also coming out as an audio book that should be ready in a couple of weeks. Yeah.
0: Excellent. And for Instagram, what would be, it would be at?
1: Uh, yes, uh, at Dr. Christian Heim. So D-R Christian Heim. Okay.
0: Excellent. And can you just, I'm going to spell it. So Christian, it's D-R-C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N. Correct, yes. I for our listeners. If you have a pen, write that down.
1: <laughs> That's right. That's right. Thank you very much for that, Lorianne.
0: Oh, my pleasure. And I really thank you for your time here. And it's been wonderful meeting you and definitely I'd love to have you on again. So,
1: Yes, please keep in touch. I'd, I'd love to be on again. And uh, what you're doing is wonderful because you are giving so many listeners hope. You're giving people different pathways that they may choose on their climb up out of bulimia thank because you. you've done it. And that is wonderful. Thank you so much.
0: You have a wonderful day. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode. Be sure to visit me at bleepbulimia.com.